Hello, listeners. Thank you for listening to another episode. This one is Jacob Christopher and Jason Traeger, both of them amazing Portland comics. Uh, This episode was recorded January of 2016. And if you're listening to this episode the week that it drops, uh, Jason will be performing here in Bend this Friday, June 9th. And you can get tickets at bendcomedy.com. He'll be co-headlining with uh, another Portland comic named Lacey Day, who it's actually her first time coming down to Bend. But it's going to be an amazing show. So if you hear this in time, get tickets. Bendcomedy.com. Enjoy the episode. Hey, listeners, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Comedy Northwest. Northwest. <laughs> Mouth hole make noise. <laughs> Welcome to the Comedy Northwest Podcast. There we go. I got it out that time. I am sitting here with two awesome comics. Uh, just finished our show, so I guess technically this would be an after-party episode. I don't know. We haven't been drinking and smoking as much as most after-party episodes that we've done before, but I think we'll have a good time. So I am sitting here with Jacob Christopher. Hello. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> That's my cue to introduce say something. Hi, guys. If you wait one more second, I would have spoke up. <laughs> uh. I was I was gonna stay silent until you said something. Mm-hmm. I was gonna see what it was gonna take. <laughs> That's on me. Timing, people. Yeah. So Jacob yes. from the Portland area, not originally from the Portland area. Originally from Virginia. But that is. But you are currently residing along with the Portland comedy scene. Uh, yes, I am. And over here is Jason Traeger. Yes. Not Traeger. Traeger. I think I introduced you tonight as Traeger. You kind of hedged in between Traeger and Traeger. Traeger. Jason Traeger. (laughs) It's fine. It was a good, it was a collection of sounds that made sense. Yeah. As soon as I started saying Jason, I was like, I don't know how your last name is. Traeger. Traeger. Like the grill. Yes. Like the barbecue. Traeger. Grill. No idea what you're talking about. Barbecue. It's like a company. It's a very popular brand of barbecues that my second cousins began. Oh, really? A lot of people know my name from that, and the spelling especially. <clears throat> I am related to those Traegers, though I'm not a part of the Empire. Oh, you're not? So you're not swimming in barbecue money? New. Oh. No money from it. None. Billions of billions New, of but the, barbecue yeah, there's dollars. There's a lot of money. A lot of money. I would imagine. So now it's out of the family now. It's been bought by an investment company. Well, you obviously got the itch for making billions of dollars. Yes. That's why you're a feature in Bend. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to find the, the most direct route between poverty yeah. and great great wealth yeah exactly uh stand-up comedy all right I put my <laughs> you want to make money down. get into comedy yep yeah <laughs> about that you were i i enjoyed tonight you opened your set just talking about random things about yourself and you're like yeah poor what my poverty isn't funny to you people which got a huge laugh and it was one of the first things that you said that unexpectedly got a giant laugh, which was amazing. Jacob's funny. Oh, God, yes. Yeah. I don't even know what the first five minutes of my... I was just, just bullshitting. Yeah, yeah, just talking. Taking up time, feeling out the crowd. Yeah. I mean, you know, you all both did a great job opening them up. So it was just like, all right, now it's shooting fish in a barrel. Yeah. So what you brought out your little book tonight. Yes. Which this is the first time I've seen you bring out any material, written material, mm-hmm. while you were on stage. Well, I had some new stuff, and I didn't know what it was, but you know, I had my book in my pocket, and it was yeah. just like, all right, I'm going to pull this out. It went well. Bear like, with me. You just going through the book was funny to the crowd. Like you, like this. Eh. Nope, not going to tell that one. People would laugh. I, well, I mean, it was real, too. I mean, yeah. I, I hope oh, yeah. people got the you know impression. I was like, that was my real book of yeah. my real material. I was looking at, you know, just kind of like an inside peek at the mindset, yeah. what goes into comedy. But oh, God, also yeah. because I was just like, what jokes have I never told or are brand new that I want to yeah. share? Oh, God. Yeah, those little I've got, look, a stack of those Moleskin books right there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's yeah. what we do. That's what we use. That, that's what fits perfectly in a back pocket exactly yeah, it's a good time <laughs> and it looks ones. more professional than a crappy little like reporter spiral thing that just ugh, looks like shit yeah. i mean i you know normally would never pull it out of my pocket <laughs> during a set but tonight was special it went well yeah i like that you did that it, it was inspiring to me it reminded me oh yeah you can just do that it's just because i always like that when i see like really good comics people that who are like really good doing that because yeah. it just reminds you, like, oh, yeah. Just be loose. Yeah. Have fun. I mean, Louis C.K., when he's working on a new yeah. year, he, he's mean, out there I with a notebook seen, yeah. on stage. 
And so it's obviously, it's just like, what? I've seen oh, Louis God, yeah. C.K. with a notebook. I've seen George Carlin. Anytime yeah, he went yeah. on stage, no, he, would, he would walk out holding like something that you would see like a professor running through like the quad of a college <laughs> holding like papers just rolling around. And he would come out there and just set them on the stool and be like, here we go. And he would just start reading through it and just keep going. And that's how he made new material. Whatever works. That's absolutely ridiculous. I've never, I've only brought notes on stage once. And it was a very specific show. Well, it's hard to bring notes on stage since you do so much. I mean, you know, you had—I don't even know how you wrote down that that thing you did in the middle of your newest piece, talking about the you know acid trip and just the psychedelic drugs. I don't know how you could possibly write that down on paper. It's just such an art form. Yeah. I don't know. I see Traeger as a much more artistic person than me. Oh, yeah. Well, that's definitely a painting thing. I always think of it as like doing. There's like a style of. It's not a joke. It's just a visual painting. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's like, exactly. here's this thing. Now I'm going to take you on a little trip and just like, and for me, that's the way I think about it. Like I'll actually like see it like, yeah. okay, there'd be this part. Then there's that. And a lot of times I sort of paint in the air because I'm thinking like about like, if this was a painting. Yeah. yeah you're very, you give it's a very, very visual very presence fun. to your comedy. Well, it's great. The, fun. the joke that I did tonight, <clears> the one about <throat> masturbation, different positions. I literally came <laughs> up with that on Monday, did it Tuesday night at the open mic and it killed. And, Word for word, the way that it came out was the way that I thought of it the second I thought of it. Yeah. And it worked really well. And this was the first time I'd ever done a joke so confidently where the punchline was almost entirely physical. Hmm. I don't... I do improv. I run around stage. I act mm-hmm. like a fool all the time. But when I'm doing stand-up, I have no confidence in my physical <laughs> or emotional yeah. ability. Hmm. I, I, am, I still entirely put all of my confidence into just the writing of the material hmm. and just hoping that that's good enough. So to do the physical aspect was weird for me, especially without like, I mean, it's a physical joke, so you can't write, really write it out uh, unless it's like a script. Uh, interior night. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, you know, when you get physical and you, I mean, you're opening yourself up more and it, you got to be more comfortable with yourself because, yeah. you know, the more, I don't know, I don't want to say you go into character because it's like you're not going into character. You're actually being yourself. Yeah. You know, on stage and you'll a lot of movement a lot of and see that's the thing that throws me off that's where my confidence just goes out the window is that my entire life people have told me that I'm not funny and they don't want to listen to me this that and the other I mean it's mostly my brother and my mom that have been telling me that (laughs) Ryan shut up and I was a pretty annoying kid at the time so at this point I try to write jokes that I think people will like rather than trying to write things about me Mm -hmm. and Tony G you know Tony G yes uh, Tony G, when he was here, did an amazing job of taking things from that day that were not funny, that pissed him off, that has no being, like, has no reason to be a part of comedy. And he would just start ranting about it on stage. And eventually you'd be like, he's just angry. And then all yes. of a sudden, just all of a sudden out of nowhere, punchline. And I was like, I don't think he wrote that. I think that he just figured out that he had a line of this dialogue, realized that he could just switch it right there, punchline. And then he'd go a little bit further and it would happen again. And it would all be very personal, like daytime bullshit where you would think I, you know, I, I have things in my life that where I'm just like, I feel like it would be funny to other people, but it was so sad and depressing for mm-hmm, me to mm-hmm. experience. Yes. I'm like, there's no way anybody could ever find this funny. So it's about distance. You got to have the distance. Yeah. So I haven't found that. How do you find that distance? all right that's a hard question let me ask something a little bit easier uh let's go back a couple steps here you got you were uh you did a joke tonight jason that you had never written down or done before which one the the one that jacob was talking about i don't know if he had ever written it down i know it's a new one you know just talking about the membrane oh yeah no i've I've done that thing a few times okay so is that one that you've written down um, yeah, the writing would be part of it. I tend to, when I make up things, I will, you know, say it first, usually to myself at some point. Like I'll, I do a lot of like walking around, just sort of talking into a, you know, headset microphone. Yeah. Or at my work, I'll, I can do that a lot. So, um, you know, just coming up with stuff, and then I'll, you know, as I try and sort of hone it or something, or um, I'll do it on stage a bunch at open mics, and then I'll start writing. And then I'll do a written down, and then I'll type it out, and then I'll go back, and then sort of build it like in stages just adding and tweaking 
and like so with something like that the one you're talking about tonight it's definitely just like a, like i was saying a, a painting where i just think of it in that way like this visual thing and i kind of just describe the painting yeah. that i'm that i'm seeing and so it feels really fresh and you can add new things you know it's just like a painting you can cover something up and put something else in there but in a comedy thing it's just really on the spur of the moment and like whatever comes to me but with a framework of like cool images that i sort of dig saying you artistic son of a bitch. Exactly. See, I, I see jokes in a more mathematical sense uh -huh. rather than like making a painting. Well, I'd see some, some are, this is a specific sort of style of joking. Yeah. It's not a joke. It's just, a, it's just a visual description. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's stripped out and cool and fun to say. But it's so organic. Yeah. It's just, it's just me. Yeah. Which is more of an improv thing. Anyway, we were talking mm. about this earlier before the podcast was improv, this, that, and the other. You you talked about being a part of one improv-ish type stand-up show, uh -huh. but you've never actually practiced improv. Never practiced improv, no. Never participated in that kind of thing. But uh, some sketch type things, and you know, I always feel like improv is a part of the stand-up and oh, sketch God, yeah. thing. You know, it's all related. But I've never done like improv training where I've done never done any of that kind of stuff. Classes. I should. I, I would like to. <laughs> a lot of comics that I admire a lot are from that world. Yeah, um, it's Ian, Ian Carmel always spoke about his uh, improv background being super helpful and giving him a real leg yeah. up in stand up comedy. And dude's a master. So, honestly, improv an improv background will help you in every single industry ever created. By I imagine man. that's true. I have a feeling that's probably true. It is. Like I said, I got smoked by those improv people when I did that. I was invited to do this PowerPoint improv thing mm -hmm. pro project with a video crew and like a really nice setup. And I got there and everybody else that was invited to be a part of this thing was from the improv background. I was the only stand-up and they were so much better than me. I was just like, holy crap, I need to study this because they are so much better at this, yeah. at, at improv. And I thought I'd be really great. I always, I went in there like, yeah, I'm going to blow some minds. And then instead it was like, uh. <laughs> Jacob, do you have any improv experience? I have no Nothing. improv experience either. I'm, I like it. I like watching good improv. I hate bad improv, <laughs> but I mean, I hate bad com. I hate bad everything. Oh yeah. But like, I've done some a little improv games at shows, but I'm just not. I don't have the confidence to yeah. just go up there and just. You know, you see teams of improv people just making a 10-minute sketch out of nothing. Yeah. That, to me, is it's very... It's practice, though. It's like it you, is. That's why they, they have all those games and all that stuff that they play to, like, free up the mind. And, and that's what I saw with those people was that they all had these things to go to, like, okay, they had an approach, you know, to this task. Whereas for me, I was like, I was trying to invent. So you can actually, I'm just saying, you could you would be good at it if you took some classes. I, yeah, yeah, if I knew the format and yeah. learned it. Yeah, I you'd be suppose. great. There's yeah, like whose line is it anyway? Is more short form stuff. So like that's what my group does. So we just go out there and play improv games. But I know that there are more Portland based improv groups that do the long form, which is you take one or two suggestions from the beginning mm -hmm. and then you just go for like forty five minutes doing one scene after another, kind of yeah. interconnected. Like Gabe um, Dinger's uh, Whiskey Tango, they do it. They're yeah. very good. Yeah. I've seen them really do really well. Yeah. It's, I don't know, improv is just amazing. I, when I was, uh, when I had my comedy club, I was teaching improv and one of my students was a teacher, a high school teacher. And over the summer we had these classes and he goes back in September and he came to me and he's like, yeah, after all these improv classes over the summer, apparently things have really changed. And I'm like, what do you mean? And he's like, all of my students think that I'm a million times more fun and more interesting because I'm moving around more and I'm talking about things and making stories and this, that, and the other, which is what I learned from improv. So rather than just reading out of the textbook, he's now trying to improvise mm -hmm. stories and math and all these other things, which is practice. awesome. So yeah, it improv helps any industry, I think. And one of the things that we're trying all to do- All cops should be- should have to do improv, man. Right? Oh, that would be God, amazing. Yes. To be a cop, you should have to do fucking improv, yeah. long form, short form, whatever. Yeah, and you cannot pull out an imaginary gun. Do you remember that <laughs> cop that used to do comedy in Portland? Willie Halliburton. Yeah. He still does. Oh, yeah? He's, yeah? He was funny. Yeah, I was supposed to work with him a while back. but He he does stuff at Harvey's, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, he is funny, <clears throat> and he's a nice guy. Yeah. He seems like it. I've never really met him, but... Very, very much seems like a cool dude. Yeah. So, Jason, you already talked about yours, but Jacob, what is your writing process? That's not really even a <laughs> process. I mean, I'll just think of. I mean, as as you know, I guess a lot of my comedy is just me telling stories about things I've done. Yeah. My, I don't have that much 
uh, you know, like observational comedy or like, hey, you hear this, you know, whatever. It's always like, this happened to me. This is something that happened to me. Yeah. And I mean, well, okay. So in the context stories. of one of your most common bits, <clears throat> the ones that you do all the time, the funniest ones, how did you create these? How did you bring them on stage? I, I mean, I usually talk to myself a lot and I'll put in, here's what I do. I will walk downtown Portland or and I'll put my headphones in and I won't have any music playing but I'll put my headphones in so I'm talking to myself out loud so people think yeah. I'm singing cuz that's slightly <clears throat> less weird I yeah. suppose I don't know why I even bother but yeah and I just talk to myself and talk out bits and if I make myself laugh I know all right that's pretty good and yeah. I just keep going over stuff you know over and over building it taking stuff away I don't even write that much material down anymore yeah I just talk it out in my head all right, is it funny? It'll stick. I mean, I, there's been so much stuff I've probably forgotten in the last year, but it just wasn't funny. Yeah. So it doesn't stick. Yeah, the... Well, and again, I go back to this masturbation joke. Right, what you know. Um, but again, this this was one of the first jokes where I thought of it and it stuck in my mind. Mm -hmm. And I was like, next time I'm on stage, this is going to come out. I just know. So it was constantly sitting there and I was thinking about it and it was sort of just broiling for a while. And I went on stage, said it, exactly how it was in my mind with yeah. exactly how I thought it would and it was so fluid it was the first it was the most fluid writing of a joke I had ever done and it gives me confidence but it also <laughs> I have no idea how I did it so don't try and even me. analyze it I, yeah. I always feel like you just when you get something that comes really fast and quick and it has that yeah. flow you just go don't okay, question it just cool. do it I'm glad but then get back to the stuff that's not so easy yeah, a lot of times it'll just organically happen on stage <coughs> the first time yeah. saying it. Yeah. Yeah, and then know. you just lock into it and keep it, keep it around. And yeah. Like, that like I told that bit, and I think it was probably one of the first things I said tonight, was about, you know, going five years without having sex and using Craigslist to meet that girl in Vancouver. Yeah. And uh, I told that Tuesday at the open mic for the first time, and I only told it because my girlfriend is sitting in the front row, so I just started talking about her, and it went into that and how I used to never have sex. And like it went great, and then I told it tonight, and it went okay. But I mean, it's just like I felt like, yeah. you know, that's how I know I'll keep it. I'll keep it for a little while. Yeah, it's just it's, fun. Well, and again, like this podcast is for people who want to learn more about stand up or are interested in getting into stand up. So I feel like are we gonna have callers? Yeah, <laughs> uh, we lines will, are open. Uh, we will <clears throat> like. It just anybody starting out, if you don't have that fluid moment, eventually it will come. Mm -hmm. I mean, or it may not. For well, it's true. Like Lewis Black, he was well into his mid to late forties before he had that moment, and it's you know just waiting for you know whenever somebody blooms, yeah. stick with it. Yeah. But not everyone blooms. Yeah, not everyone. Well, yeah, you have to recognize. But I think it's valuable no matter what. If, if if you don't think of it in terms of outcomes, it's definitely like exactly benefit everybody. Yeah. Exactly. Don't think go into sure. it like oh I have to reach the top. Or mm -hmm. anything. Yeah, yeah just, just, just it should it. be for fun because you want to do it. And as long as you're having fun, then it doesn't matter. So yeah. It may or may not come, but just keep having fun. Yeah. Well, the reason that I do comedy is because it makes me happy. I would like to be a happy person in general. Yes. Comedy yeah. is the career that I have chosen to make that happen. It's not very harmful and it's very helpful. Yeah. So it's a good thing. Exactly. Yeah. So let's, let's go back. Let's go, let's go back yeah. in time. Uh, what was your first time like? When? How long ago was it? When? Where? How bad did you do? <laughs> well, let's see. I was 16. She was 15. <laughs> it was pretty... Oh, comedy. Yeah, ha, comedy. Ha, ha. I'm sorry. No, please, go on. Let me just... Uh, I already told those stories tonight, actually. <laughs> uh, they were pretty horrific, but funny. But I remember the first time I actually did comedy. I do remember. It was like five and a half plus years ago, I guess. And I was working at Guitar Center. And, uh, you know, I moved to Portland like three years earlier and I just still didn't know anybody, didn't have any friends. And I was just working. I was the guy at the front door at the Guitar Center. Hey, welcome to the Guitar Center. Can I check your bag? Hey, can I check your receipt? Like that was my job, answering yeah. the phones. And I just, I got bored. So I got a composition notebook and I started writing stories and they all were like funny. So I decided, you know, I Googled Portland stand-up comedy and I went to a mic at the time called at Suki's, which is long since gone, but it used to be like a Portland staple. And I just went up there and told a terrible story. The whole premise is that I like bacon so much that I masturbate to it <laughs> instead of the th women. Like, you know, I'll masturbate to like women eating bacon and then like the women are gone. And it's just bacon. <laughs> Stupid. Yeah. You know, first year comedian. 
But it got a good response. It was it actually went pretty well. I distinctly remember the first time yeah. getting a pretty good couple of laughs, and I was just like, man, you know. And every other time for the next like two weeks was terrible. But <laughs> I was just like, I just thought it was really fun. I just really had a great time, and I really enjoyed the challenge of like, all right, I got to have something next week different, mm-hmm. and just like right forcing myself. Like it, it gave me. I was looking forward to go to work and just stand there and do nothing, just so I could write yeah. and come up with stuff. And it just really, it helped me meet people. And it was just, I mean, it was really a good move on my part to, you know, where I'm not, you know, I'm not great now. It's not like nobody knows who the hell I am, but just in life in general, I have much more friends. I'm much happier. Right. Like it was a great decision in my life to just hit that first open mic and give it a shot. Yeah. So what, how, I guess, how long into that open mic or how long after did you make the conscious decision stand-up comedy? Probably like... I mean, the first time I did, I fell in love with it. But, you know, it's just yeah. a hobby. But, like, when I was, like, took it seriously, it was probably, like, a year and a half, two years in. How often were you doing open mics oh, I was for that doing year like, and a half? You know, like, five nights a week. Wow. Yeah, and I was really into it, but I still had another job. And, you know, like, I'm probably making $20 a month, you know, yeah. at most. My yeah. first year, you get drink ticket shows. So it's not lucrative, and it's still not lucrative in Portland. you got to drive outside of Portland. Oh, yeah. But, I mean, like, I remember... It was probably three years into it, and I got fired because I'm like five and a half now, and I was working, and I got fired from my job at Lowe's. <laughs> this was after I quit Guitar Center, <laughs> but I got fired from my other job, and you know it happened unexpected. I cussed out a customer, and like Aww. two months later, they fired me. So I thought I was in the clear. <laughs> yeah, yeah, after two months, you're yeah, like, well, I was like, I guess that was fine. They were going through some process. Can, yeah, I'm gonna cuss <laughs> out all the customers I want. That apparently. But when when that happened, I was like three years into comedy, and I was really comfortable with myself. I had started working at Helium. Yeah. I was already working at Harvey's. I was like feeling good. It's like, dude, I'm two and a half years into comedy, three years, and I'm like working at both clubs. I was like really feeling it. And uh, but then when I got fired, and I was like, you know, I don't want another job. I just really don't – I want to do comedy, and yeah. that really got me on the ball to push myself. And, of course, now I do have Jason Traeger. I work with Traeger at the distillery like one or two days a week. Yeah. You know, a little side income. But it's just I don't want another job. I don't like having a boss. Mm-hmm. I don't like – you know, I just never could deal with it. I mean, I never liked it. I don't yeah. – and, of course, I didn't go to college, and I'm not qualified to have a cool job. <laughs> if I worked at Google as some CEO, yeah, it would be a cool job. But yeah. <laughs> all I can do is like, you know – retail just you know nothing against retail workers out there but you know just like yeah. pay, you know just, well you have the whole bit about customer service exactly and, and that was just, only a piece of i got yeah. like 10 minutes about customer service appreciation all right i appreciate <laughs> customer service workers yeah but like that's all i'm qualified to do and it's just like i was never happy yeah but you are happy now. i'm happy and that's you know important. it comes in spurts jason are you happy yes i'm pretty happy how long have you been happy been happy for a while yeah. Seems like a, quite a while now at this point. When was tell us about your first time doing comedy? Um, I I think my first time doing comedy was at the Comedy Underground in Seattle. I did I was I did comedy um, sporadically for about three years in the early two in the early two thousands. So like in Seattle mostly, San Francisco a little bit of Los Angeles, um, but yeah. So that would have been the first time probably in 2000 or something mm-hmm. comedy underground what was that like um i don't remember specifically <laughs> if it was great or not but i was kind of you know like like if you have i would have like since i, li- I lived in olympia but i would drive up to seattle and didn't to do open mics there was no open mics in olympia so it was this crazy like you know driving up an hour and a half to do three minutes and then having like a week to think about it until you do the next three minutes oh that you drive an hour and a half. It was an insane way to like yeah. get good at comedy. And I, but I would do it. I'd drive to Giggles in the University District and to Comedy Underground in Seattle and uh, just do the open mics. And I just really loved it. And I was like, and I think it was kind of the thing where every other one I would have like, whoa, that was fucking amazing, you know? Mm. And then the next one would be just devastatingly terrible. And But it was like Jacob was saying, once you get that bug and you go like, ooh, um, you know, I just want to see around the corner, like what's the next thing, you know, and what can I write? But that was like a different lifetime ago. But mm. this time, which I consider like my current phase of comedy started like, um, about, uh, three and a half years ago. And, and that first one in Portland was, um, at the boiler room, the classic boiler room. Yeah. Just walked in there and, uh, did something and I don't know, 
but I, I loved it from the minute. Then from there on out, I was like every like five nights a week, um, I was drawing people and I would take photos of people too. Dude, yeah, Traeger mm-hmm. used to have the Portland like photos on mm-hmm. lock. Really? Yeah, and that got me to know people really quickly too because I would photograph people. Well, uh, yeah, documented I, P- Portland photo- comedy for two years. I was talking to you earlier tonight about how your name has come up a couple of mm-hmm. times. Well, I know for a fact that two of those times are photographer credits on headshots. Ah, there you go. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I took, uh, like I said, for two years, I did um, that, that um, blog, Portland stand-up comedy photo album, and it was really good two years because it was like. Ron Funches, I think he had, I think Ron had just left, and then Ian, Carm, Ian Carmel, Shane Torres, people yeah. who were like, it's it's captured a certain era of like a shift, yeah, over of people, which is like about new ones happening now with like Amy Miller and Sean yeah. Jordan moving yeah. to L.A. this Absolutely. next couple months. So it's cool to do that kind of thing over the course of two years because I guess for people who are starting out in comedy and thinking about comedy for the first time, if you look at my blog chrono- chronologically, you can see like. Uh, this the seasons of a comedy scene because there are definitely like seasons to comedy in a city like portland yeah okay yeah, yeah like know. uh steven wilbur was probably the most recent one to take off mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. i had him booked uh, for an october show the largest comedy show in central oregon had mm-hmm. him booked and then a week later he's like yeah i'm moving to la it's like god damn you successful talented bastard <laughs> yep god damn you steven wilbur <laughs> Yeah, he's somebody I was like, oh, yeah, he's going to do great in L.A. Oh, God, yeah, he's got so, so many like movies in he's his He's got head. such a shtick going on. I don't know what you call it. It's just a, it's just, it seems like the endless fountain of it. I'm it's just like, like yeah. Bobby Fisher. Yeah. Alternative comedy. Absolutely yeah. ridiculous. And it's all stuff that I go, oh, that could be an animated thing. That could mm-hmm. be a movie. That could be a scene from a thing. Yeah. It's like, it, like so some comics you go like, I don't know, but maybe he'd be a good writer for TV or not. You know, yeah. he's one of those ones where you're like, oh, shit. No matter what he does, it's going to be good. Yes. Yeah. God yeah. damn him. I praise it. I think it's great. It always... Well, we were talking earlier, you are saying about watching shitty improv. I, I, I take a cynical pleasure in watching shitty improv uh, in a way of like, oh, I totally could have done this scene better than these improvers. Yeah. Yeah. But at the same time, at the other end of the spectrum, you look at people like Steven Wilbur, just absolutely amazing. With It looks like little to no effort whatsoever on his part. Oh, God. And you're you just like... kidding. That dude's writing all the time. Yeah. And you start like, why am I even doing this? Like, it's never... I will never even be close. And you got to put in the time, yeah, man. exactly. See, everyone like Amy Miller, Ian Carmel, Wilbur, they are people who write four hours a day who are just always comedy centered yeah who are like like you look at you you know got bend comedy you're doing huge things and Bend. you made Ben like a good place to go to do yeah. comedy now yeah it's you know really and true. you're obviously sitting in here in your studio i mean you've obviously put in the work it's yeah you apply know. that yeah with comedy it's just the just got to chip away until the sculpture mm-hmm. reveals yeah. itself well you're doing it the right way right now i'll tell you I that i appreciate Ryan. that no it's a kick-ass kick-ass scene Thank you. Nice so crowd. this is no longer the Comedy Northwest podcast. This is now the Kiss Ryan's yeah, Ass exactly. podcast. Ass kissers <laughs> try to get booked again. Podcast. Exactly. Um, let's see. We'll move on with the interview. Get off all of right. me and all of this. It's I don't know. It's like this is what I have been trying with Bend Comedy is that Bend is close enough to Portland that we can kind of have that community, but we're far enough away that we can cut ourselves off yeah. when possible. Which means that all of the asshole egotistic open micers that you have in portland i have no idea who they are yeah. i never have to deal with you'll them never, i never have to see them never, never have to talk to them, them. exactly good so other than one or two local assholes the only people that i have to deal with are the people that i bring here myself yeah. so like I, we were talking earlier the reason that i book the headliners that i do is because i know that even on their shittiest night they would still kill in this room so it's you know, that's why I say our new catchphrase is a great show guaranteed. Like, that's I can't believe a great show is ever guaranteed. Great show guaranteed. OK, <laughs> that's impressive. I want to see. you. You can look right now at all of the headliners that I have lined up. You point to one. Don't name it on the podcast, <laughs> but you point to one. No, you got a, It's you got a good lineup. You got a pretty good lineup. I could actually point to one, but I'm not going to. Uh-huh. You bastard! No. I'm sorry. I'm, g- I'm not gonna lie to you. Oh, Corey Michaelis, I like him. <laughs> yeah, you got a bunch of good ones. You do. Yeah, it yeah. is a very, it's a very diverse too. It's a lot of people, different oh, like nice. sects of comedy, and yeah, yeah, it's good. Yeah, I go for, I try to go for a variety and everything like that. So 
if people don't like this week's show, next mm-hmm. week's show will be completely totally different. different. Yeah. I do the same thing with Dirty Dozen. Like I, you know, I liked it. Like this last one yet last night had four people that had never done it before. Really, like I always like to have people that have never done it, and I just, yeah. you know, people. It's usually four months between doing it again. Mm-hmm. Hey, I'm 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 up to four months, buddy. Don't worry, buddy. Can't okay, get, pal. I'll get you soon. Okay, pal. So what is what is the premise <laughs> of the Dirty Dozen? It's just a, it's not filth. It's filth, but it's not meant to. It's not like, hey, this is going to be racist or homophobic or offensive on purpose. It's just, you know, this is a place where you're not put your guard down, strap in, don't get offended at anything that gets said because it could be anything. But it's not like to celebrate bigotry or anything. It's just this is not this is a non-safe space. Yeah, but you know, it's not. It's mostly dirty in the sense, certainly that. And this is monthly. It's first Wednesday of the month. At Helium, Helium Comedy Club. Helium. It's yeah. a gas. It is. It is, man. <laughs> it's a great club. It is a great club. Yeah. We on anytime they have somebody fun up there. We usually try to go to podcasts because they're cheaper and during the day, so we can go up there, watch and it, come, come back. back. Yeah. yeah. So we've seen Doug Benson and Greg Proops, uh, nice. T.J. Miller. Oh did, God, he's so that great. one was really good. We stay. We ended up staying the night and watching his whole set that night. Oh God, absolutely amazing. Yeah, he is. TJ Miller is ridiculous. He is really no, he's I see him on commercials all the time, too. Oh, yeah. It's great. He's in that new big movie, Deadpool. Yeah, I heard. Oh, that's right. Rumors, like someone said, like like when he was living in L.A. or somewhere, like as a poor comedian before, you know, that he's made it. But he just, all he had in his room was a mattress and just pieces of paper on the wall that just said comedy is life. And like that was it. Wow. Like that, which, you know. I mean, fuck. Some dude's living it. Yeah, he's yeah. a master. He really is. He's really Well, he said something on a podcast that I thought was interesting is that his he can set up, like he can get to like 50 years old and just turn to a news camera and be like, gotcha. His entire life, his entire career has just been one big practical joke this entire time. Yeah. Uh, just at one thing after another. Like he had brain surgery not too long ago. He was in Australia shooting something, and he had to go to the hospital, and it was ridiculous. And then he did the Yogi Bear thing. Do you remember? Did you hear the story about how he got? So he he tried out for the part, got it. But a fun thing that he did was he rented a bear, an actual bear, and took some of the lines and read, like, got a ranger hat on and read (laughs) some of the lines with a bear and put it on YouTube. And said that this was his submission for that movie. Yeah. Yeah. So he just, he already had it. He didn't need to do that video, but he did it for the fun of it. And it's just such a big practical joke that everything could be like, just, yeah, I did that for fun. Not as part of my career. It's just, it's great. Because his career is just so random. Yeah. And he works hard at it. It's random and also like steady. Yeah. Yeah. Like he's good, but he's, you know, he's not like superstar, movie star, but he's just like everywhere. Yeah just killing it on every front of comedy he's yeah. just brilliant he's just yeah. so good i mean i swear last year or was it last year or year before in portland uh him at the star theater and rory scoville's four nights at helium those are my two favorite sets or shows groups that i saw that whole year it was just those two guys are just out of control but tj miller he did flipping hour and a half probably and at least two-thirds of it was just off of things that people said from the crowd you know yeah and but of the quality where you're like dude that was a hundred percent all killer like everything he did yeah and i'm just like but you know it was absolutely just off the top of his head and it was just amazing it was incredible i was just blown away how great he was can't do that and then then you see him at the at midnight mass an hour later doing a completely you know just another thing just off the top of his head that was just yeah. so great yeah I remember that set him in the mess he was talking about the loom or the, oh god uh, so good yeah yeah. he's just great and Rory yeah. Scovel is that same way where it's just like Rory Scovel what, what is you know you see him do four shows in a row like in four yeah. nights in a row and you see like how different they all are and how there's just these like elements that are put in place and then they go in different directions each night and sometimes one takes off another time but it just ends quickly and it's just seeing him four nights in a row i was just like dude that's just that would be awesome that's where it's at yeah because you because you really appreciate how yeah freeform he is it's it's just amazing it's yeah it's interesting which is a different way you know you watch a headliner do an hour and then they do a completely different hour you're like how much material does this person have oh in fact 
mentioned it earlier tonight about Jacob and how much material you have and have written down. Mm-hmm. How many of those little books have you filled? Oh, like 10. Yeah? Yeah. Oh, Jesus. I mean, I don't even write that much anymore. It's the thing. Like, I filled up like five of them my first two years. Yeah. And they've tapered. I probably haven't even filled up one in the yeah. last year. But, I mean, a lot of it is just memory. And I do, like, type on my computer, too. But, yeah. I mean, I got a lot of material now. I mean, I could probably do two hours straight if yeah. I really wrote it out. And it'd be cool. Like, yeah. when I opened for Joey Diaz, like, last month at Helium, I did five sets and I never repeated the joke. Wow. Uh, five sets. That's see, that's absolutely amazing. It's so well. I guess here's a question: How much of that material that you did during those sets was stuff that you had pre-written down, and how much of it was stuff that was just in your mind? Probably half and half, because like all the new stuff, like a lot of the jokes, I've never written down, but I've told them a hundred plus times. Yeah. So I mean, I, I don't even consider that not written down. It's just like you know, like the closer I did tonight, the homeless people. Yeah. I've never written that down. I've never written that joke out. Really? It just started as something that happened. Yeah. And I've written like points, like a bullet points when I'll write it out. But I've never like, all right, let's write this whole thing out and see how it goes. Yeah, I consider I, I, I consider writing out bullet points to be writing a joke because I'm like, I do a lot of that where I'm like, I don't I don't write out every word. Mm-hmm. But like bullet points, yeah. yeah like here's the six points you got to make. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. When I when I get to a point where with a joke where I'm like, okay, this is one that I'm now going to be telling over and over again from now on, I'll usually go from the bullet point aspect to a verbatim aspect. Mm. So that way I have it in my mind and it's not a trying to remember it at the time sort of a thing. It's just yeah. right there. I think that I always think of it as like songs where I'm like, like you know, get to know a song and then you don't have to like try and rem- you know, once you know a song really well, like you got you can sort of change it here and there and make improvise a little but like yeah. the song is there and you know it's solid and then you kind of play it that way like i think of it a lot like that in terms of memorizing stuff yeah being like of course that part goes to this and then of course there's this rhythm and then it's a lot easier know. to sing a song once you know the words to it yeah and it's written down when when you're not revved up like a douche or uh <laughs> yeah yeah uh so okay you guys have been doing comedy for some time now. What, when you started doing comedy, what was your idea of success? Like the day that you decided this is something I'm going to take serious, do stand-up comedy as my career. What was your, what was your goal? What was your end game? I mean, I'm not sure I know what my end game is right now. Honestly, that was going to be my next question. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I don't really have an, you know, financial success is always, you know, a big picture. It'd be nice to have financial security, yeah. be in a couple movies, you know, like T.J. Miller, like yeah. that level, be known. That'd be amazing. Yeah, I don't want to. I don't really ever want to be famous. Like yeah. that's not my goal. I don't want to be. A, you know, people recognize me in Portland when I go grocery shopping and something, which is fine, but I don't want to ever be like not able to just be a random person. Yeah. Like that's something I don't want to lose my anonymity. And I'm in no danger of, by the way, at this point, <laughs> yeah. you know, but I just, I'd like to be a comfortable headliner, you know, be able to support myself and just have fun with my life. Like I'm doing right. I guess I pretty much live in the dream right now. Yeah. Uh, everything's going well. You know, when I started, when I was like first year in, all I wanted to do is just fit in with the cool scene. Yeah. Like the Ian Carmel and Sean Jordan and then Helium crowd. Yeah. Like I just wanted to be considered one of the guys. Yeah. Interesting. I feel like, um, yeah, that for me, I just, I've, I've been back at it now for, like I said, going on like three and a half years, going on four. And my, my attitude, I was just like, I'm going to approach it like going to school, like going to college. You know, first four years, don't even worry about anything to do with career or anything you're just getting you know advancing your basic you know you're studying this thing and you're working out your thing so don't have any pressure and then you know try and graduate with like good grades and uh so so kind of going into four years i feel like okay now's the time to start thinking more about that stuff but um i don't even yeah i take the same route as jacob i'm just like i'm in i don't know i'm just making up as i go and trying to just point in an interesting direction so, yeah, I guess that answers new, my question. New interesting experiences. It's an idea of, I mean, what is your idea of success? Interpret that word however you want. And where are you right now in relation Just to that? Just ha- being happy in life. And I guess I'm doing pretty well. I'm pretty successful, I suppose. I mean, I do support myself doing comedy. Yeah. I'm at that point. And, uh, you know, like at Portland, 
you know, if I was in L.A. in the place I am now, but in L.A. instead of Portland, I would be, you know, I'd probably be on TV or something. Yeah. You know, I'm doing pretty well oh, yeah. for what I can do in Portland. And I'd like to move to L.A. and hit that <laughs> next level. Like, that's yeah. my, my next step. Yeah. But, I mean, right now, I feel like I am successful. You oh, know, yeah. I mean, maybe not financially, but, I mean, again, I'm not in it for the money. Hmm. I just enjoy fun. You know, money is nice, too, of course, but... You know, I can get by, I can support myself, I can pay my rent and have a little extra right now. So I'm feeling, I feel pretty successful. Yeah. yeah. It's just a lot of fun. Yeah, it's one just of, fun. One of my theories is the three F's of why you do stand up. Oh, Friends, man. finance, and fame. So what? fun's not in there. I thought man. I thought it was gonna be friends fucking and fun. <laughs> I was gonna say <laughs> that's friend. what I no, thought they were gonna be. Friends is fun. <laughs> no, so the friends that's the fun part. Yes, because like you were talking about how you wanted to fit in, so you were doing it for the oh, friends. You, you want to be in, part. Uh, yeah, so you want to be it's part like of the 12 crowd. Twelve F's. <laughs> so <laughs> well, it's general. It's fairly general. Yeah. The finance part being supporting yourself. Mm-hmm. Do you just doing it as a making a living doing it? And then the fame part of being a big writer, being on a TV show, stuff like that. I mean, like the fame, I don't like I would love to be on a TV show. I'd love to be in a movie working with Tom Hanks or something. Of course, that would be fucking phenomenal. But I'm also a realist. And at the same time, like I said, I don't want to ever lose my anonymity. Like I'd like to be like Rory Scovel or Kyle Kinane. If you're into comedy, you know who they are. You'd see them and recognize them. But the vast majority of people would have no idea. Like that's where I would, that's about the peak that I would like to hit. I also feel like with fame, you know, it's one of those things where it's, it's, it's a, I look at it like, and I was younger, I would have put fame as like a, um, a goal. But yeah. now I see it 100. percent as like, oh, it's just a, it's just a byproduct yeah. of doing a, a thing that is a public yeah. art form that like is a popular public art form, and it's just like if you're good at it and you want to succeed at it, fame is a byproduct of it that has to be there. Yeah. So it's not a matter of like that for me. It's not like, ooh, I want to be like recognized. I could care less. But like, you know, I, I would like to have people come out and see me and and have a good time, and so that means getting them to know who you are. Yeah. But it's 100 percent like, oh. It's just because that comes with the territory, but it's not a goal or anything. Yeah. And because it's just people, I don't care about, you know, I would care less. I could care less. And anonymity, yeah, I love being able to just blend in. Mm-hmm. It'd be really freaky to be super famous. I'd be so weird. I don't know. Yeah. I don't think I would like it. Well, and I mean, the idea is trying to balance Maybe. all of these things. Oh, so yeah. well, that's the same in all not going. And you get used to it anyways, even if you do it. Yeah, not going directly for fame. If you're going for fame, you're just a whore, and you don't want to work with somebody like that. If you're just going for it's the pretty finance... Boring. It's pretty boring. If you're going for the finance, you're greedy, and you obviously have no idea what career you have chosen. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's just so much pleasure in just doing something you really enjoy, and that is a huge reward. I mean, if I had to put a cash value on it, I would put a lot. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. mean, you think the first two three years doing comedy the first year at least you didn't get any money for oh, it yeah you're just doing it because you enjoy doing it oh god yeah and i'm still just doing it because the minute that i feel like comedy is a job and i don't enjoy doing it like i will stop immediately yeah. and oh, do god, something yeah. else yeah I feel the same but like tonight you know i'm a drive out here fucking have fun on stage yeah you know every boring. time i get on stage it's fun I, I look forward to the next day yeah and this is like the first time in my life i'm actually looking forward to this year like the future yeah like i'm at a point like oh man it's i a good can't, sign. Yeah. can't wait to see what the future holds yeah that's creating bent comedy in this specific business i've never watched or heard anybody else do this before so anytime something negative happens i'm constantly on the edge of my seat thinking oh my god this is going to be the end of bent comedy in my comedy career I guess I should put applications in at Walmart or McDonald's or so just every couple of days I'm like, oh, shit, this is the end. I'm done. (laughs) And I I, slowly but surely I meditate on it and say, all right, if comedy ends for me, I need to be okay with that because it's become such a huge part of my life. This is now what I live for. I don't think I could be okay with that right now. I should think on that, too, just in case it doesn't work out. But I feel like this is it. Even if it doesn't work out, I'm just going to keep doing it. Yeah, yeah, well, that's the thing is that's how it works out is just by persistence. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's yeah. True. And a I mean, lot of works the... out to be whatever it's going to be. It's yeah. Like... Traeger and... is a Zen master person. God damn it. Traeger. See, in bigger cities like Portland, Seattle, stuff like that. Hardly. You make it past the first three levels of stand-up comedy just by making it through the first three levels. And you've Dude, already, all you got to do is stick around. Exactly. You've well, already outlived 90% of the other people that I you mean, started I've doing comedy I've been doing comedy with. three and a half years, and in Portland, I am like 
old school. Yeah, I'm yeah. old. I like walking to open mic. Like, where do you want to go, dude? Which where, what yeah. spot do you want? I'm just like, I don't even want. Oh, there, no, you know. Yeah. And I'm like, dude, I'm I consider myself so new at it. Anytime, never yeah. do. But I'm just like, I'll just get sign up at the end. Which is nice. Yeah. I mean, it's nice that I mean, I feel a sense of accomplishment. I do. I and feel, I mean, yeah, yeah. Definitely. You put in the work. Put in the work. And the thing is, like, I didn't do it lightly. You know, it was like five nights a week for yeah. three and a half years. It's like for yeah. real. I mean, you grind. You see all these young people, the Ben Harkin, Jake Silverman. Like their, you know, their first two years in, they're out every night, you know, a couple of years. Shows. Hopefully they're in the same position as us. And I'm sure they will be, mm-hmm. you know, but of course, I'd, yeah. You know, you see a lot of other people who've been, you know, sometimes it just doesn't work out. Some people just aren't funny. There are people who've been doing comedy for a while. Yeah. But, you know, they're not career oriented. They're just hobbyists and that's fine. Yeah. But see, that's the that's the idea that I was trying to get to is that in Portland you just have to outlast other people in order to shine through. As where nah, in Bend, that's not that's true. not a hundred percent because there are some people that have been out four, five, six years who are not shining. Well, those are the ones that are stick to itive. But what I'm saying is that everybody does comedy for different reasons. Though that's the thing. That's the main thing is that yeah, it's oh just yeah. like it's it's there are as many reasons to do comedy as there are comics as as far as I see it. So I just don't even look at people as like. Well, that guy's been doing it for seven years, and he's not getting anywhere. It's like, well, what he's if he's doing it for seven years, he obviously likes it and it gets something out of it, and probably has great shows and does great things now and then. And it's like maybe that's the thing, you know? Yeah. And we all have some version of that, you know? It's like there's no wrong way to do something, only a million right ways. Yeah. <laughs> and so that's the thing. I'm always like with comedy. I feel like oh, it's so personal, and it's so just like maybe everybody's. I've I always feel like God, dude. Everybody who does it is a success in some way in my mind because it's like you're not talking about it you're not thinking about it you're not wishing and pissed off that you didn't do it you're doing it it's a fucking awesome and i mean i look at i look at portland sometimes and i'm like dude i was talking with amy miller the other day about her moving to la and i was like saying how you know great i think she is and wishing her well and stuff and uh and i was like thinking it's so rare to be like really good at comedy and be in that the split place where she is and then like i was thinking like it's so rare to just do comedy. Like in the city of Portland, there's like 60 people total who even mess with doing stand-up comedy yeah. out of like what? 400,000 people. Mm-hmm, yeah. It's a very small group of people who are like into this weird, very specific thing. So I just have a lot of admiration for people that just do it no matter how much they suck or how good yeah. they are or whatever. It's just pretty cool. Well, it's the, I mean, when you start doing an open mic for your first time within a month or two either direction, there's 50 other people that are starting at the same time. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by shining through and just sticking to it is that that first open mic, everybody's going to fail, but only 10% are going to stick to it after that. Oh, if that. Where, yeah, exactly. So that's what I'm saying by all you have to do is stick to it. Yeah. And that's how you shine through. Yeah. Once you get to, you know, from that hundred from the open mics, to you know the 20 people that want to op- be openers yeah and then then you have to start working on your talent that's when you want people to start noticing you because you've been know. doing it for an amount of time and people are starting to recognize you but yeah all you have to do is outlast the open micers and unfortunately in bend we have you know most of our openers are op- the open micers so they skip the step of having to stick to it so a lot of the people around here, like I was saying, the shiny side of it, they're attracted oh, by the shiny yeah. quick side and they, they've never had to work for a spot in an open yeah. mic. They've never had to stand in line yeah. for an hour to I, sign up for a raffle and then wait until five minutes before the show to find out whether or not they're going to be on it. And people dude, in Ben just don't experience I, that. I, I really look back and appreciate the helium days before I started working there, signing up. You know, oh, yeah, you gotta put it, and that's why I also do think it's good to be in a city that's that's like a good sized city if you want to really get good at comedy. Like to be in a city where you actually have some competition, and you're not going to be like, oh, this person's available, let's give them the half hour feature spot. They've done ten minutes, yeah, five minutes or whatever. You know, it's just more competition, and it's like harder to get. So, but yeah, you got to grind it out. I mean, signing up, doing all that stuff, it's all part of it. Yeah, you know, putting in work and. Cause, well, you'll always learn eventually, though. And failing. That's a big part of it, oh, too. Oh, yeah. Bombing. Oh, I love a good and Failing bomb. in front of people. Like, in Portland, I fail in front of people that, I, you know, you go, ooh, I wish I could have been good in front of them, you know? And then you just suck, and you just go, oh, it's just all humbling. Yeah. Then it puts all the, well, that's in, always in perspective. I mean, 
it's funny because comics have like reputations of being like whatever crazy people and stuff but like I think so many people that do comedy are so well adjusted I meet a lot of people who are super well adjusted and have really great attitudes and I think it is that constant like familiarity with failure and how it's so yeah. intertwined with success that you get this like you know pretty realistic look at life through the way comedy goes mm-hmm. the shit you have to go through to do comedy a stand up at with any any good at all you know you just have to learn that stuff to yeah. deal with that and I think that's good to face that it I the way that my brain works is that I I don't like going to situations not prepared for so I prepare myself for every possible contingency that could ever happen throughout the entire day no matter what how can you possibly do that every five seconds something changes and I think of 20 the 20 most uh, possible outcomes of this next move so I prepare for each one of those. Are you a chess player? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but here's the like, thing. Cause I'm definitely not a chess player. I'm like, wow, that's a different way of looking at things. But here's how this has helped me with comedy is that when a joke fails, I am more prepared for that than when it succeeds. Mm. So like tonight I did the, the militia Malheur forest thing and I ended up doing my first two punchlines really quickly and I was attempting to find a third one. So I was just ranting. And I was like, nope, this is going horribly, just like I thought it would. I know exactly how to change this. I'm going to go on to this next subject and just move on and ready to go. So that's, it's, it gives me self-confidence in my ability to fail, (laughs) I guess. When I fail, I just acknowledge it as I did a few times tonight. It's like, all right, that ain't good. Moving on and just fucking acknowledge it and then keep going. Yeah, exactly. I have yet to experience it. Yeah, Traeger's never failed. Yeah, (laughs) I just can't think of a time where I've actually failed. So I'm thinking, yeah, I guess I don't have the contingency plan. Well, then you're not putting yourself out there enough. I just think that I'm a perfect angel in his life. He's so goddamn (laughs) likable. It's kind of a curse, really, for him. Yeah. I'm perfect. No, it's funny. Yeah. No, failure is the foundation of success. Yeah. Well, I guess this brings me to my last series of questions here, which you won't be able to answer one half of this question. Come on. Which is, what is the best gig you've ever had? And what is the worst gig that you've ever had? I really don't even think I, uh, I, yeah, I don't think I, I don't think I have one personally. How about you, Jacob? I mean, I've had a bunch of good, I can't think of a single best or worst. I've had a bunch of great ones that stick out and a bunch of terrible ones. What's the most recent good one that uh, comes the, to mind? Well, tonight at <laughs> fucking Summit Saloon brought to you by bendcomedy.com. No, uh, Joey Diaz weekend was a big one for me. That was like two months yeah. ago. That was real fun. That's Dirty cool. Dozen last night. You know, real good. I always have fun with those. I mean, it seems like I have, like, a real good show, like, once a month. Yeah. You know? So, if not more. Like, I really enjoy all the shows I do. But, and then worst ones. I haven't had a real bad one in a while. I, like, the most recent terrible one was at a casino out in Pendleton. It's like a five-hour drive. It was for, like, Tribble. And he was there. I've never worked for him before. Our listeners know all about Pendleton and Tribble. Okay, so it was at whatever the <laughs> hell that casino is out there, and I was Wild supposed to do Horse Casino. All right, I was supposed on to the do... Umatilla Confederated Umatilla Indian Reservation, which God, is Cayuse, damn. Umatilla, and Walla Walla. A little bit of Nez Pierce. I am all four of those tribes, card carrying native. Awesome. I am not. I am <laughs> just white. But You're beyond white. Yeah, I am. Yeah. I am beyond Jake is a white. I am a ginger. But yeah, it was at a casino. And I was supposed to do 30 minutes and I get there and it's a big room, like a stage with racks. Iron Maiden could just show up and play (laughs) like it is set up. The closest seat is about 15 feet. Yeah, it's a ways away. And there was maybe and I'm being very generous with this number, maybe 12 people in there to watch comedy. The back half of the bar is a sports bar. Yeah. Which it, is where the sad people with only five bucks left to buy one drink. It is, oh. it is a very, I mean, if it was full, it would have been great. But it was like 12 people mm-hmm. there. The mm-hmm. opener, the host guy, was like, all right, you ready? I'm going to bring up. He's like, hey, welcome to whatever the fuck. Here's Jacob. And like, that was it. Like, oh, shit, go on stage. Wow. Here's Jacob. Like, and uh, I got to like 18 minutes. And then Tribble himself lit me from the side of the stage for me to come off. Because, like, they hated me. Wow. And for the record, they also did not like the headliner, I will not name. But, like, it was, like, a dozen people who just didn't give a shit about comedy. Oh, yeah. And, uh, <laughs> like, God, it got 18 minutes. And I still got paid, and he was really nice about it. But 
I, just, I was just, I was up on stage just sweating it's for like, like 15 minutes. Just yeah. nothing was hitting. Nothing. I was like, start. I did my swastika tattoo joke yeah. opener. <laughs> guaranteed hit. Jacob, guaranteed. Warm them up. Nothing. Have you had like a really bad like? Yeah. Game? What's your best? Hugging, 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 hugging. What? Like, um, obviously, you've never had out. a worst, I mean, a terrible gig, recent, a terrible gig. I mean, in my old days of comedy in the early two thousands, I had some awful. I mean, I was so bad, so unformed. I had no idea what I was doing, and I just did weird things. But one show I did. Um, <laughs> opening for it was some musical thing and it was very half-assed it was kind of like this band's playing and blah 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 and you do stand-up comedy you should do stand-up comedy and and it was like insane like nobody was even wanted to listen at all and it was just a terrible idea and a woman uh and i was awful not good at it at all and a woman threw a full drink with ice in my <laughs> face oh, Jesus. and i kept going and the crowd was like got totally divided and like there's there's these people who are like you got balls you're cool man that's fucking awesome and then these other people are just like so enraged at me and i was pretty i was kind of like whoa that's insane is this normal and then of course i did comedy for a while longer and i was like oh that's super unusual yeah, that's that not like not something normal. you have to look forward to like yeah. happening a lot and it's, of course never happened to me since but uh that was like a different lifetime ago Dude, but it was yeah, uh that was great. that would qualify as a bad show getting a full drink with oh, God, ice yeah. thrown in the middle of your face He's huge had crowd. so many experiences just riding with you on the oh. car. He's been in like punk bands telling me about horrible shows he's, he's been in. A lot of things. Like, I wow. really wish he would write a book. I would love I to read your biography. I, it's not <laughs> that. You know, I don't. Maybe should I? Yeah. Uh? I really think that you start <laughs> no, your own really, Traeger. I don't start come your own on. Traeger dynasty. Be, don't come. I really? <laughs> I should? I would. I would, I would buy that book. I, maybe a series of anecdotes strung together i don't know yeah you know i've i did a, a blog once for a while where i wrote remembrances and kind of thoughts about different things from my past but uh um then i went back and kind of i was thinking oh man i should go back and look at it and i was like oh this writing's so terrible so much of it um i i need an editor but yeah but i've thought about it I, actually one guy did come to me once to be like an editor and he was like he's like you send me some things i'll go through them now I'm describing what an editor is. Yes. <laughs> I don't need to. Yeah, yeah. Well, he, right. he offered to edit. So, but then the I, I just put it aside. But maybe someday I'll do something like that. It might be fun. Like, uh, speaking of blogs, I will give a tip for any, you know, I started a blog like over three years ago just on blogger.com, just free shit. Yeah. You know, you don't need Let to Let me write that down. Blogger.com. Blogger.com. <laughs> By the way, I'm spon- I, I'm, I have to legally, I have binding contracts. I got to mention them. <laughs> But uh, yeah, and I used to use that phone app, app on my phone or whatever. But I started three years ago and just blog. I got a couple blogs. I got barbathroomreview.com. Yeah, yeah. Boom, mm-hmm. plug. But I also have my comedy blog. I don't even know what the website is. It's something stupid like Obi-Wan Jacoby. <laughs> but yeah, I just blog about my experiences doing comedy. And it's great now because I still, I still do it like twice a week. I'll update it. But now I'll go back. I can go back three years. Yeah. I can see exactly where I was three years ago. It's cool. In my life. And yeah. Man, it is like I can see growth, measure it, and just like, wow, I was like at the gypsy three years mm-hmm. ago fighting with a karaoke, you know, <laughs> over yeah, just like, and I still do shit shows, by the way. It's not like I won't be yeah. blogging about those either, but it's just. It's, but there's it's, also ones that aren't shit shows. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And which it's is really cool. fun. I really enjoy yeah. going back in time and just seeing my career. Yeah, it's so, it's so cool. That's, that's a really neat project. I kind of had that with the photo album. I did that. Were we talking about that earlier or now? On the, during this taping, I don't know. Um, I used to do a photo album, mm-hmm. a photo um, Tumblr that was like that. And looking back, same thing where it's like, oh, that was exactly a year ago. Yeah, I was at the boiler room, same day. You yeah. know, like two years in a row. It's cool. It is cool, man. I really, I really. I mean, I would highly suggest you know starting a blog at any point. It's never too late, but I mean, it's a cool thing to have for yeah. yourself, if nothing else. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's what it was for. It's just a diary for myself. People visit it, but not that much traffic. Yeah. Yeah, for about the first year or two that, well, not that I was doing comedy because I didn't start doing Twitter until after that. But as soon as I started doing Twitter for about a year, that became my notebook. Mm-hmm. Because yeah, I would do, I would just be like, quick setup, punchline. And if like that got a response from a couple of people that they liked it or retweeted it or whatever, I'd be like, okay, now I need to flush this out in actual material. And I it was sort of a good way to do it, mm-hmm. but now, you know, open mics and whatnot. And again, I was in Pendleton at the time. Yes. Not a lot of opportunities. Not. I would, I would try to open the shows at the casino. <sighs> and to try and rope them in? Yeah. In Pendleton? In Pendleton. Home of the? Letterbuck. 
Right. Rodeo. <laughs> Pendleton, Pendleton Roundup. Rodeo. Pendleton Roundup. I don't, yeah. Okay. Yes. I don't know these things. It's famous for the Roundup. Okay. Pendleton Roundup is the second largest but longest running rodeo on the West Coast. And I don't think they do many rodeos on the East Coast. <laughs> but it's been going for 104 years. I do media work for them every year. It's sort of my family's from the Pendleton area. Like I said, part of the reservation. So I'm part of the tribe. So nice. I go back every year. It's kind of nice. What percentage of you is part of the tribe? I like to say one third. I mean, it doesn't look like much. No. That's, that's one of my favorite jokes is that yeah. I am Native American, but I still look like the good guys. <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> like yeah. the good guys. That's funny. You're terrible. That's funny. I, history is written by the victors. Yeah. <laughs> very I had a point. friend who was blonde haired dude in San Francisco who like got money for being part of a tribe. And I was like, dude, really? You look like you're from Scandinavia. Well, I like Curtis Cook's joke. I haven't heard him tell that all about how he, he loves it when like white women say that they're like an eighth Native American or whatever because oh, it sounds like they're just bragging about a rape that happened a long <laughs> yeah, time ago. That is a classic. Yeah. That's a classic Curtis Cook joke. Okay, here's a good one that you can use. Right. In fact, I encourage you to bring up Native American heritage as often as possible, especially with women. Okay. Ask them what tribe. And when they say Cherokee, just laugh in their fucking face. <laughs> because that's something they always say? Yes, because it's for one of two reasons. One... Everybody is one 132nd Cherokee. Is that right? It's one of the most common ones. Um, when white people were coming across mm. the uh, America, that was the most common one that they hmm. came across and started breeding with. The other part Three. is that it is the only tribe name that anybody knows. That's mm. a good point. Yes. Thank oh, you man, to 70s music. <laughs> Cherokee people. What? What's another tribe, Traeger? Yeah, exactly. Apache. Uh, yeah. Mohicans. <laughs> Yeah. Mohegans. But Paiutes. as you know, there are no more because of Kevin the, Costner. The last of the, yes, yeah, Kevin Costner. The last of them. Oh, dear God. Oh, my God. There is a documentary Eric out Coyne. called Ingen. I-N-G-N. I think that's how it's spelled. But it's about Native Americans in media. So it talks about how in back, like old Westerns, you would see like the natives rushing in. Those were actual Native Americans. But then you would see like Last of the Mohicans, uh, or what was the word where Pierce Brosnan uh, played an Indian? Uh, William Shatner has played a Native American. Uh, but yeah, that's ridiculous. Um, in like the 80s, early 90s, they would have Mexican actors playing Native Americans. A little bit closer, at least. Yeah. You know, slightly darker skin, but still nowhere close. And it just talks about how just in the last 10 years, they are now like professional Native American actors are playing Native Americans in movies, which is nice. And then did you hear about the whole Adam Sandler thing? The Oh, yeah, yeah. The people walking off his set. Yeah, yeah. Because of what? Because of really shitty Indian jokes, apparently. Yeah. it was. They were halfway through shooting, and all of a sudden they were doing the scene where this woman was wearing just the most ridiculous thing and she's like I don't feel comfortable doing this and he's like no you need to tell this joke this is going to happen and at that point every Native American just stood up walked out because mm. it was it was extremely racist and insensitive and he could have just said okay what would make this a little bit better then they would have stayed the movie would have been better it wouldn't have had the stigma that it has now well I heard the movie was so god awful yeah. anyway so I doubt you know that I mean, they're smart. They're like, this movie's going to fucking suck. Let's get out of here now. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and it was, Sandler, what do you expect, honestly? I'm sorry, but it's true. Yeah. But Adam I mean, Sandler made a bad movie. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Just She's, a bad movie. That's the thing about Adam Sandler movies is that, like... They're bad. They are... They're never great, and they're never, like, absolutely horrible. Like, on a rating of 1 to 10, they're somewhere between 3 and 7 every single time. That's generous. <laughs> I mean, the I Billy know, Madison Happy Gilmore... He oh, had yeah. those two. And then it's just been like... Fifty First Dates wasn't too bad yeah. compared to uh, uh, Eight Crazy Nights and... <laughs> eight other... Pixels. Yeah. Pixels. Yeah. What's the one like with that. like the device? Isn't there one with a device? Click. 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 Oh, yeah. God. The one where he farts on <laughs> uh, Baywatch guy. David Hasselhoff. David Hasselhoff. Oh, God. That was just... That was ridiculous. Was it brutal? <sighs> anyway... So we've talked about the highs, we've talked about the lows, but I think it's about time for it's us the best show. to take off. To go. <laughs> All right, so plugs, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Man. website, bathroom My walls. My Jacob Christopher. You can look me up. It's pretty easy on Facebook or barbathroomreviews.com. There you go. Jason Traeger. That's T-R-A-E-G-E-R. 
like the barbecues <laughs> at Jason Traeger on Twitter. Friend me on Facebook, Jason Traeger. Online, Jason Traeger Comedy. It's a Squarespace site I just put together. Love to see you come out to the show. Is that a dot ninja? Thank you so much. That's a dot com. Oh, okay. One of those old dot coms. Love to see you at a future show. If you, anything has moved you tonight, please get in touch with me. Jason Traeger. Thank you. I want to what Traeger said too. Exactly. <laughs> put that on me. Except Jacob Christopher. I'm Comedy. tweeting. Com. I'd like to have five new followers tonight. Is this I, going live tonight? Yeah. Oh, this is already on the oh, air. Okay. Yeah. This is. Right. We're now okay. We're the show's over, but we're taking calls beginning now. Right. Yes, those are all the <laughs> listeners. <laughs> All right, everybody. Thank you for listening. Uh, remember, uh, grade us or grade us, rate us on iTunes. Uh, check us out on the website, bencomedy.com. And of course, like us on Facebook.